0: Welcome to RLA's message of the week. We hope you enjoy part two, time running out, in our series, Never Disqualified, by our pastor, Rene Molina. You guys ready? So um, I've been covering a series called um, Never Disqualified. Tell the person next to you, you're never disqualified. And um, I've been covering this series, and we've been talking about, the, about never being Disqualified. And um, if we could do the overview on, if we could put the overview on the screen, um, we've been, last week we spoke about even a nobody, even a nobody. And last week, honestly, can I be real with you? Last week was probably one of the most impacting messages in my life. I was, like, super impacted. I was telling Kaylee, like, that's when you know God's speaking because, like, I was like, oh, my gosh, like, I needed to hear that. I know it sounds crazy because I'm the one that delivered it, but it, it, it happens that way. And so um, just, just that message of, of that God will make you great and influential in his time was just so powerful. Look, you could have the most, and something we mentioned last week, for those of you that weren't here last week, you could do the most amazing thing, the greatest thing, be have the greatest gifts, have the greatest job, but you won't be great or influential unless God makes you great and influential. And so that's something we were talking about, is that God is the one that makes us great. Um, someone once said that whatever you obtain by self-promotion is what you're going to have to maintain by self-promotion. And so, uh, yeah, let that sink in. And then um, the second thing that we're covering today is that you're not disqualified even when you feel like your time is running out. So that's what I'm going to be talking about today. And then next week is when you feel like you're full of mistakes. And we've been actually uh, going over the life and the family of Abraham. And we could see that through his life, we're never disqualified. Because there's a lot of churches that they make you look like they make this requirement list. And if you don't make this list, you're not qualified. And it's like with God, no, with God, he could, he could, he could do anything out of anybody. Does that make sense? And so that's kind of the idea that I want to tackle and that I want to destroy. The idea that only an elite, only an elite could be used by God. And so, if you have a Bible, can you uh, open your Bible with me? Genesis chapter 16. Genesis chapter 16. And um, so Kaylee let me have her her iPad. So it's now mine. And so, I know, right? (laughs) Um, But, uh, uh, so Genesis chapter 16. And I want to read you guys this scene in the story of the life of Abraham. I want to ask... When was the last time you read The Life of Abraham? Wow. <laughs> That's all. That's it. But it's good to read. So we're going to read it again. So Genesis chapter 16. And we're going to go into the scene of, um, with Sarah. Do you guys remember that scene? So we're going, to, we're going to get some stuff out of this. It's really, really, really good. Um, so Genesis chapter 16, verse 1. It says, Now Sarai, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children. But she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. Say with me, Hagar. 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 Just kidding. Okay, that was a terrible joke. Um, anyways, so she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave, and perhaps I can build a family through her. <laughs> Abram agreed to what Sarai said. So after Abram, I know it's like, Abram, really? Like that easy? Okay, Abram agreed to what Sarai said. Sarai said, so after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarah, Sarai took his wife uh, Sarah, Sarai his wife took her Egyptian slave Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress Hagar. Then Sarai said to Abram, I know this is like a like a novel. Like this is like You like, you know, your TV shows? This is crazy stuff. Um, She began to despise her mistress. Then Sarai said to Abram, you are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I put my slave in your arms, and now that she knows she is pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Your slave is in your hands, Abram said. Do with her whatever you think is best. Then Sarai mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. Okay. So I want to. I just want to share with you that the Bible story is our story. We are Abraham. We are Sarai. We are these people. We are Adam. We are Eve. Because so, so many times people are like, oh my gosh, the story of Abraham and, and Isaac and all these different people. And it's like, they are us. We do the same thing that we do. We are Adam. We are Eve. And in this case, we can find ourselves in the shoes of Abram and Sarah. And Abram and Sarah, they felt like their time was running out. They felt like God promised them something, and they felt like time was running out. To be honest, you could kind of understand them. He was going to have a baby, and he was like 85 years old. And, you know, it's like, you know, Grandpa, you're, you're dying. you want to have another baby? It's like, okay, Grandpa, you're 86 And so their time was running out, and they were getting older and older. And can I tell you something? One of the greatest lessons of the book of Genesis is that, and I have it here on my notes, is, is how God's major plans fixes our biggest problems. When you read the book of Genesis, you're constantly seeing God's great plan fix people's biggest problems. And so something I want to tell you today is that God will use and come through even when you feel like time is running out. I don't know, maybe some of you guys feel like your time is running out. Maybe your time is running out at work. Maybe you feel like your time is running out and you need to find a, you know, a spouse and you feel like your time is running out. Or you feel like your time is running out at work. Maybe your bosses are like the worst and you need to get out. Your time is running out. And I want to tell you that you're not alone. Maybe, I don't know, maybe some of you have been feeling like you've been waiting for a peaceful season. Can I get an amen? (laughs) Some of you have been waiting for like a healthy season. Some of you have been waiting for something to just, God, I need a break right now. Just cut me a break. And you feel like your time is running out. Some of you, you feel like your time is running out with your calling. Man, Renee, all these people are finding their calling and their careers, and I'm still here, still on on square one. (laughs) And I want to tell you that no matter how much time you feel is running out, God is still going to use you. God still comes through even when time is running out. Tell the person next to you, God hasn't forgotten about you. And can I tell you something? If he promised it, he's going to do it. If God promised you, he's going to do it. It's part of his DNA. It's part of his DNA. It's part of his nature to do what he promised. Can I tell you something? If you think God is ever unfaithful, then you misread his promise. Some people are like, he promised it. he told me I was gonna get that specific job and it didn't happen. He's not faithful. No, he's always faithful. You just misinterpreted his promise and his message. I I don't have to share with you the story I had, right? When the person told me that supposedly God promised this lady that I was gonna marry her. Like I don't have to go through that rabbit hole again. No, I'm not. <laughs> and so that lady for sure misread God's promise. Oh my And so the next thing I want to talk to you about are two signs that you're losing patience. There are two signs that you're losing patience. The first, can we go on the notes? The two signs on the screen uh, that you're losing patience. And I really want to get into this. When you're waiting for God's promises and you're waiting for God and you're losing patience, there are two major signs that you're losing patience. Number one. When you know someone's starting to lose patience and giving up is when, number one, they start helping. They start trying to help God. Can I tell you something real quick off the bat? You help God when you're misunderstanding God. When you're misunderstanding God, you try to help him. Oh, man. And and something Sarah said was that the Lord has kept me from having children. God never said that. God never said, it is me who is not letting you have a baby. God never said that. I'm saying all deep. You know, I'm sounding like genie. But God never said that he's keeping her from having children. So what did Sarah do once she thought that God was keeping her from having children? She's like, you know what? I'm going to help God. What if you go and have a baby with my my slave, and that way we fulfill God's promises? Because apparently, God is obviously forgotten about us. So when you start losing your patience, it's when you try to start helping God. Stop, Stop trying to help God. God doesn't need your help. There is a boundary between your job in your life and God's job in his life. In your life, sorry. There's some of us, there's some of us who we try to do God's job. We try to do God's part in in the whole project that's called Jeff's life or, you know, Ashley's life or Kelly's life. Like, God God has a plan for you, but you got to let him do his part. Get your hands off his part of the job. Have you been at work? And somebody stepping on your toes and trying to do your job. And it's like, this is my job. Get off. Like, right? That's how God feels when you try to help him. That's, when, that's how God feels when you try to help him. Can I, can I tell you something? And I have some, some examples here. Some people, like, let's, let's put the single person as an example. They start, you know, well, apparently, you know, God's not doing his part in providing me a spouse. So, you know, apparently then I'm just, you know, just going to go get that person right there. And whoever, you know, they look nice. They look great, like great people. I'll just help God and I'm going to marry them. Some people, they, they start trying to take matters into their own hands. You know what? God's not healing my family member. And you know what? I'm going to let desperation take over because apparently God's not helping me. God's forgotten about me. And you know what? (laughs) My life is important. You know what I mean? So people start trying to help God when they misinterpret and misunderstand God. Are you guys following me? And the crazy thing is, did you guys know So by Sarah trying to help God, who was born? You remember his name? Ishmael. Did you know that Ishmael is the father of the Muslims? Did you know that Ishmael is the ancestor of Muhammad? You know where I'm going with this? Is that much of the conflict between the Jews and the Muslims is due to Sarah trying to help God. Does that make sense? What that means is that when you try to help God, you actually create more of a mess. Like trying to help that coworker with their job and then you drop the paint while trying to help them. It's like, I'm so sorry, you know. The second sign that you're losing, that, that you're losing patience is when, you're lack, when you start lacking your trust in God. When you start lacking, you lack of trusting God. This shows in different ways. One, you show you show your lack in trust in God by doubting God. Can I tell you something? Doubt could be used for something good, or it could be used to drain your relationship with God. You got to be careful with doubt, because doubt could lead you closer to God, or doubt could lead you further from God. And so it was crazy once, I was venting with God, and I'm like, God, and I I, 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 I kind of have this bad habit that I got it from, like, my... My, my grandma, 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 is that we worry about everything. Like, we worry about everything. I remember Mia, you know, our little dog, she was having, like, her, her cycle. And uh, it was, like, a little bit of, like, stain. And I was panicking. I'm like, babe, what are we going to do? Like, do we call my brother-in-law Jose because he knows all about dogs? Do we call him? And Katie was like, relax. Like, me, she's okay, you know? And that's kind of how I am. I just start, like, going crazy. I start just, it's, it's, it's crazy. But when I was venting to God, I felt like God asked me a question in return. And he asked me, do you really think you care more than I do? And that shook me. When you start doubting God and you start panicking about your time is running out, God asks us every day, do you really think you care more about your life than God does, and so doubt is a tool that could be good or bad. The second way you start showing your lack of trust in God is anger. Can you say with me, anger. anger? And today I need you know I need we, we I need you to respond with me. I need it to be like a, a, a dual thing, you know. So anger is the other thing. When you let anger control your life, it starts, it starts destroying. When you get angry at God, oh, God, I hate, oh, why, God, why? Like, can I tell you something? God, like, anger is natural, but it's what you do with that anger that is the key thing. When, can I, when you keep anger, that's when it becomes Hate. One of my, uh, one of the, one of these men that I was studying in history, he said this: hatred is nothing but sustained anger. Wow, I'm gonna say, I'm like, let, like, try to chew on that, let it process. Hatred is sustained anger. When you start hating somebody, it's because you've been holding anger towards that person for a long time. So you need to find a way to vent that anger in a healthy way. The third way, oh, this one, when I was reading the scripture, I was like, dang, this one's good. The third way that you show that you're not trusting God is that you start hating the outcome you made. Did you notice Sarah? (laughs) Do uh, you remember why she got mad? Why did Sarah get mad? Do you guys remember? Sarah was mad. But why? Why did Sarah get mad? Anyone remember? Obviously, I forgot. Sorry, Sarah. <laughs> we have a Sarah in the house. Um, but the Bible, Sarah. Why did Sarah, why was she upset? What, do you remember what happened? Her slave got pregnant. But wait, whose idea was it? It was Sarah's idea. Bible Sarah. Bible Sarah. It was was Sarah's idea. So Sarah's idea, we'll say Sarai, so we know who we're talking about. No, I'm kidding. But Sarai's idea was for her slave to get pregnant. She gets pregnant, and then she gets mad. Can I tell you something? When you create your own outcome, you hate it. Sarah begins hating Hagar, her mistress. It says in the scripture, she began to despise her mistress. And it says in another place, Sarah mistreated her. You start hating the outcome you make by trying to help God. Oh my gosh. Like, for example, people that are in a rush to get married... I don't know why I keep talking about this, but rushed to people, that, they get in a rush to get married. I don't know if all the married couples here have seen it, but they're in a rush to get a relationship. They're in a rush to get married. They get married, and then like two months or down the line, they end up getting divorced. Because when you create something, it's like building a sandcastle. It just starts disintegrating easily. It starts just falling away. So it's super important to one Stop trying to help God. You do your part in your life, and he's going to do his part in his life. And you start helping God when you misunderstand God. It's really, really important. The next thing I want to go into, uh, the, the, it's really, really important. I want to give you an example of losing patience. If you have a Bible, can you go to First Sam, Samuel chapter 13? First Samuel chapter 13. This is really, really important. 1 Samuel chapter 13. Do you guys remember King Saul? So King Saul, he's a great example of how not to lead, <laughs> how not to be a king, how not to be a leader. 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 7. So just real quick, just right before we, we read it, I want to tell you kind of just real quick a context. So Saul was supposed to uh, go to Hilgal, or Gilgal, <laughs> Hilgal, however you pronounce it. Saul was supposed to go to Hilgal, Gilgal <laughs> and wait for Samuel to give the sacrifice. Okay? Remember, Saul, King Saul was supposed to wait for Samuel to arrive to give the offering and the sacrifice. So let's read. Verse 7. Some Hebrews even crossed the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. Saul remained at where? Gilgal exactly and all the troops were uh, with him were quaking with fear he waited seven days how long did he wait seven days the time set by Samuel but what happened Samuel did not arrive to to Gilgal and and what happened Saul's men began to scatter they started to leave Saul So he said, you know what? Bring me the burnt offering and the fellowship offerings. And Saul offered him the burnt offering just as he finished making the offering. What happened? Samuel arrived. (laughs) Imagine that. It's like like getting caught growing up, getting caught by your mom and doing something you weren't supposed to do, you know. (laughs) Samuel arrived and Saul went out to greet him. What did Samuel ask? What have you done? Saul replied, "When I saw that the men were scattering and that you did not come at the set time, and the Philistines were assembling at Mich- Michmash, I thought now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal, and I have sought and I have not sought the Lord's. While wow, he used God, you know, in his, as an excuse, so I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering. You have done a foolish thing," Samuel said. You have not kept the commands the Lord your God gave you. If you had, he would have established your kingdom over, over Israel for all time. But now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. Then Saul left Hilgal and went up to Gibeah in Benjamin. And Saul counted the men who were with him. They numbered now about 600 when he started with, with 3,000. So what do I want to tell you today? What I want to share with you is that Saul is an example of just losing patience. He was supposed to wait for Samuel, the chief counselor, the chief prophet, to arrive to give the offering. But because he panicked, he lost patience. And because of that, it made him disqualified to lead the people. His lack of patience disqualified him to lead and to be a king. But, Renee, I thought you said we're never disqualified. You're not. But if you want to be a trusted and a good leader and a great leader, you must pass the test of patience. Even though regular people are never disqualified, if you want to do something great, you need to pass the test of patience. If you, can I tell you something? The worst leaders are the most impatient ones. If you want to be a great leader, you must be impatient. And can I ask you something? Why did Saul panic? We read it. Why did Saul panic? Because the people were scattering. His men were scattering. How do you react when the people closest to you start scattering? How do you react when all the people you trusted in in a season all of a sudden start leaving you? All of a sudden, the people you hung out with a lot, you're not hanging out with them again. Saul was disqualified because he was scared because all his people were starting to scatter. What do people do to try to keep people close to them? They just start doing some random stuff. And it's like, what are you doing? You're just trying to just keep attention, like, and you know, people are like they started. Uh, Kaylee and I were watching this movie. Can I just be honest with you? I really do not like cheesy movies, but sometimes I just watch cheesy movies to make my wife happy. And <laughs> can I get a amen? All the people here know what I'm talking about. It's like, <laughs> it's like, wow, this movie's cheesy, but it makes my wife happy. So we're gonna watch it together. But my point is, there in this movie we were watching yes the last night. Uh, we we're watching this movie about dogs and how they're like the characters. Yeah, I know that's what she was saying, and so yeah, and so it's called like the Dog Hospital or something like that. Hospital of Dogs. I don't know. She's um, no Island of Dogs. No, I I don't. Know. What what movies are you watching, Jeff? No, but the thing was that um, the thing was that so the dog was like behind a a person that was going to get it in trouble, and the kids in front of it were just making noise because the person was going to look at the dog, and they would just make noise so the person could turn around and look at the kids. And then when she keeps turning, they make more noise so she could keep looking at them. It's like a cheesy scene, but, you know, Kaylee liked it, so whatever. But my point is, Saul was seeing that people were scattering. He was just trying to do something so that they wouldn't leave. And so what's my point? I know it's a weird example, but many of the times we lose patience because we're scared of being alone, and we start panicking like King Saul, and that panic when you were left alone disqualified you to be a leader. And it's funny because many times when we panic, God's question to us is what Samuel questioned Saul. What have you done? When you take matters into your own hands, because apparently, according to you, God isn't coming through, God asks us, What have you done? Ay, ay, ay. <laughs> and what does Samuel say? You have done a, you remember somebody? A foolish thing. When you take matters into your own hands, God wonders what you're doing. Like, Ashley, what are you doing? Laura, what are you, what are you doing, Laura? Taking matters into your own hands. Robert, Robert wh- wh- what are you doing? Richard, what are you doing? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, whenever, whenever we take matters into our own hands, God just asks, what are you doing? And can I tell you something? When you take matters into your own hands, you create more drama and you create more unnecessary headaches. Are you guys with me? Tell the person next to you, wake up. (laughs) Tell the person next to you, give them a high five and tell them, stop taking stuff into your own hands. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Now slap the other person again. Tell them, God's got you. Yes, exactly. He hasn't forgotten about you. And the last thing I want to tell you today And I want to preach up a storm today. No, I'm playing. (laughs) The last thing I want to tell you today is that the reason why we should be patient is because our God controls time. Can you go to Psalm 90? Go to Psalm 90. I want to read you this psalm. It's so powerful. Psalm 90. The reason why we should not panic When people are scattering, the reason why we should trust God when we feel like he's forgotten about us is because our God controls time. Psalm 90, this is Moses, Moses' psalm. Uh, He wrote this psalm after, like, you know, they were able to cross the Red Sea and all that good stuff. Yeah. Psalm 90, verse 1 to 6. It says, This is uh, Moses talking about God, and he says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. This is a really deep psalm. Before the mountains were born, or you have brought forth the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. And then listen to this. Here's the point. A thousand years in your sight is like a day that has gone by or like a watch in the night yet you sweep people away in the sleep of death they are like the new grass of morning in the morning it springs up but by evening it dries and withered but what does it say a thousand years is like a day and a day is like a thousand years to God what does that mean and it says in the psalm you are from Everlasting to everlasting. In other words, the God that you worship on Sunday mornings, the God you worship during the week, he owns time. So when you feel like your time is running out, God can control time. You guys, this is this is a big deal. You are not disqualified even if you feel like your time is running out. Have you ever seen artists use a tablet and they zoom in to, like, fix a little detail? That's kind of what God does with our time. God can control time. Are you guys guys with me? Are you guys with me today? This is a big deal. Even for us, and I want to close with it. I want to start landing the the jumbotron. Even with us, time is relative right? Sometimes a day feels like a, like two days sometimes, right? Sometimes your shift at work feels like two shifts. Can I get an amen? Sometimes your drive to work feels like forever. Sometimes it feels quick. Have you noticed that when you drive to somewhere for the first time, it always feels long, but when you drive there again, it's like super short? Even time for us is like flexible and feels different, Sometimes when you're giving a message, it feels like an eternity. Sometimes it feels like five minutes when you actually spoke for 30 minutes. Sometimes a year feels like six months. I've been going through a season where a week feels like a day almost. And it's like, oh, my gosh, I haven't replied to you in three weeks. I thought I, thought I haven't replied to you in like three days. You know, it's just time just feels even so squishy and, and, and movable. That's how God sees time our God controls time. I'm just going to be real with you. If you were like falling asleep during the whole message, just listen to this. Oh, my gosh. What was it? I'm, I'm, I'm blanking out. <laughs> I'm blanking out. Ah, yes. If you feel, I know, welcome to my life. <laughs> Kaylee's my hard drive. She's, she's my memory. But what I want to tell you, what was it? Oh, yeah. If you feel like your time is running out, you're forgetting that your God controls time. The God you worship, the God you follow, he controls time. God recycles your wasted years. Some of you are like, Renee, I feel like I wasted my time in that relationship. I feel like I wasted my time at that job. I feel like I wasted my time. I want to remind you that God controls time and he could recycle all your wasted years and your wasted. Renee, I feel like I'm getting old. He controls time. Renee, I feel like my time is running out. He controls time. Renee, I feel like my train, the train that I was supposed to get on, is leaving. Renee, I heard somewhere that you only have one soulmate and if you miss them, it's over. You're misinterpreting God. Like, my goodness. God controls time. Renee, I feel like my boss. I don't know what's going to happen. He controls time. And he recycles time. You guys following me? God loves that blue can. (laughs) He's always recycling our time. Always recycling our time. On behalf of our church, we want to thank you for listening to this week's message. RLA is a biblical grassroots church located in South Los Angeles. We are a community who is here to restore the hurting, anxious, and those discouraged by religion. We hope to have you back next week.